Thank you for listening to our podcast. I know you. Many people wonder if they matter. Many people wonder if they are even noticed. Many people question if anyone would care if they disappeared. To some degree, they are asking the wrong question. A woman was walking through the Dallas-Fort Worth airport when a man stopped her and said, I know you. He recalled her first name and the fact that the woman used to work for him a decade before. None of that would be remarkable, except the man was Bill Marriott, president of Marriott Hotels, a man that had thousands of employees. Even more remarkable was that he had met the woman he stopped only once. Who would recognize your face? Who would know your name? To have the head of a multi-billion dollar corporation call your name is one thing, but to realize that the God of heaven knows your name, knows who you are, what you do, how you feel, and cares about you is something altogether different. The Psalms are a window into the heart and prayers of those who knew God very well. We are given this intimate view into their thinking and process as they approach God. We talked in previous podcasts about learning basic lessons of right and wrong from these songs. We examined David's plea for help in a desperate time and how he asked for God's help. We examined the idea and reasons for praise and how our voice can join in with all creation to celebrate the goodness and justice of God. But did you know that God already knows you? He knows your name, knows your fears, successes, failures, needs, and desires. Psalm 139 is David's recognition that God knows him. O Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Who knows you? Many people may recognize your face and recall your name, but do they know you? Many people may have your number in their phone, but do they know the real you? Do they know the secrets you carry? Do they know the fear that keeps you awake at night? Do they know your failures or your secret shame you hide from your friends and loved ones? We have a public self and a private self. But that private self is burdened with secrets that we feel we cannot reveal to anyone. Secret shame is a powerful element in the devastation that is called addiction. Esther Nicholson has written extensively on the topic of addiction. She wrote, I was going to take a secret to my grave and bury it, just like I had buried it in my subconscious mind for years never understanding that it was secrets like this that kept my head bowed, my shoulders slumped, and my eyes averted when speaking to others. I never knew that it was secrets like this that made me feel undeserving and unworthy of anything good. And when something good did happen in my life, I waited for the other shoe to drop because it was too good to be true, too good for me. Secrets poison our lives and kill happiness and contentment. At one point in his life, David had secrets too. We talked about the close relationship he had with God, but it was not always like that. David had his failings and secrets too. 
he had an affair with the wife of one of his most trusted friends. He later covered up the affair with a murder. All of this he kept secret, but that was not a good thing. He would write in another psalm that the secret was making him sick. The sickness was not just physical, but mental, emotional, and most importantly, spiritual. The secret was tearing him up. His secret comes to light when a man named Nathan spoke to him as king about a case of injustice. He told the king of a man that had raised a lamb like his own child. This man's neighbor takes this lamb and slaughters it to feed a visitor. When he hears this story, the king is outraged at the cruelty and injustice of what had been done. But Nathan tells him, you are that man. There are a number of psalms that are associated with this event in David's life. Psalm 51 has a direct link in the text to this event. In this psalm, David pleads for forgiveness for what he had done. He begs God to scrub him clean again so that he can feel the same closeness he once had. Psalm 32 seems to be a look back at that moment and celebrates God's mercy and forgiveness. He says, I confessed my sin to you, and I have not hidden my iniquity. I said, I will confess over my transgression to Jehovah, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. When we began talking about the Psalms, we discussed the close relationship of David and his God. That relationship was not based on King David being some mythical character, flawless and perfect. The history of David tells us of his failures and weaknesses, his mistakes and flaws. When we use the Psalms to look into his heart and mind, he is like us. He has fears, joy, uncertainty, disappointment, and yes, shame. So, if David was not perfect, how is it he is described as a man after God's own heart? Part of the answer is found in that verse we talked about a moment ago from Psalm 32. David talks about his confession and plea to God for forgiveness. The closeness and grounding of his faith was based in truth. The truth that God had always been truthful and that he had to be truthful. That bond was weakened and almost broken when David would not bring his failure and sin into the harsh light of truth. That was when he said he was sick inside. When he finally did bring his sin to God in honesty and ruthless truth, he restored that bond, and he restored his reliance on the mercy of God to forgive. David pleads in Psalm 32 for everyone to do the same. David uses a visual image to make his point. A horse can weigh over a thousand pounds and is powerful enough to carry a man on his back or pull a heavy wagon or plow. How could a man control such a beast? They use a bit and bridle. These cause discomfort in the horse's mouth enough that the horse moves to relieve the pressure. David says, don't be like them. Choose to come to God of your own choice. So, what does that level of honesty and truth look like? That is where we started in Psalm 139, which addresses the relationship of openness and knowledge of David's heart and mind. O Lord, 
you have searched me and know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thoughts from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all my ways. David speaks in this poem of understanding that God knows who he is, good and bad. When we know someone, both their successes and failures, good and bad, and are not repelled by that knowledge, but still seek their highest good, we have a name for that. That is one way to describe and define love. This poem says, despite his mistakes and failures, God still loves David, and David knows it. Psalm 139 is a love poem to God. In verse 17, he says, And how precious are your thoughts to me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. The relationship should go both ways. While this poem acknowledges that God knew David, it also says that David knew God. He searched out and valued the knowledge of God and the truth it brought to his life. He dwelt upon these truths and was enriched by them. In another psalm, he describes these truths as like fine gold. The challenge is to ask ourselves if we could write this love poem about our relationship with God. Have we been honest and open, bringing our failures and shame before him? Have we come to plead for honesty as well as his help? David says to God, You see it all, but you still love me. We also must reciprocate and learn as much about the God that David served as we possibly can. How else can we say we love God if we do not know him like he knows us? His story, his truths, his guidance, his judgments, his principles, all reveal the mind and heart of God. Speaking of that, we have a gift that even David would have envied. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. In many ways, these words from the New Testament remind us of the Psalms of David as they speak of the glory and nature of God. But these words were penned a thousand years after David wrote Psalm 139, and they acknowledge David's words. He was one of those prophets that spoke of God in the past. But the writer here says we have more detail than even David had because of the coming of Jesus. The link is clear. David's God brought us his son, Jesus. This verse says that Jesus is the exact imprint of his nature. This is the rich heritage that has been given to us that even exceeds that of David himself. We know more. David's God loved him and forgave his failures. 
David loved God and everything he knew about him. Because of Jesus, we can know even more about God than David did. And we can love him just as much. While there is no question that God knows us, could we respond? Could we say, like that moment in the airport, I know you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you want additional information, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, or on our website at truthseekers.org. That's truthseekers.org.